Sit back and listen and enjoy my podcast about health, wellness, fitness, yoga, business, and life. I talk about everything from ways of eating healthy, mindfulness, yoga, working out, manifesting, to pop culture, momming, adulting. I try to have fun and laugh at myself along the way of my sometimes stressed out and frazzled life. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to today's episode. I have on guest Heather Chauvin. She is a author, a podcaster also. Her podcast is Mom is in Control Podcast. Her book is Dying to Be a Good Mother, How I Dropped the Guilt and Took Control of My Parenting and My Life. And she is a leadership coach who helps ambitious, overwhelmed women conquer their fears and become leaders at home. In this episode, we talk about red, yellow, and green zones, and she explains how we can use this in our lives and our business. She also talks about her energetic time management and what this is. This is such a great episode. She is so nice, so sweet, so inspiring. She just is a wealth of knowledge. Um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. I'm so excited for our guest today to be joining joining us, Heather Chauvin. Hi, Heather. How are you? Hi, Nikki. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm so excited, too. Um, I wanted to tell the listeners how I found you. Um, a lot of them already know my backstory with um, the vertigo and balance issues and then my back going out. And one day I was taking um, our puppy on a walk and I came upon your podcast. I listened to it. I bought your book, Dying to Be a Good Mother. And I reached out because you're so inspiring and I want others to hear everything you have to offer. It's amazing. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your business and what you do? Yeah. Um, First off, thank you. And I really appreciate. I mean, it's just, it goes to show that when we speak our truth or when we tell our stories, um, you know, maybe not everyone is going through the exact same thing, but there's something Mm -hmm. about our journey that they connect with. And I truly believe that the more we be ourselves or the more we step into our truth, that's, that's what the world needs from us. So I'm sure that's where the conversation is going to go today. Um, But I am every time I'm asked this question, I always like stop and reflect because we so identify with our roles or what we've Mm -hmm. accomplished. And that's what people, not that they want to hear, but that it's like, okay, who are you? What did you do? And I'm starting to really, I don't want to say struggle with that question, but it's like, you know, I'm just this soul having a human experience and trying to just walk myself back home to my truth but we'll we'll go there. Um, (laughs) But for those who are not familiar with me, I'm Heather Chauvet and the founder of the podcast, Mom is in Control, um, which maybe the name might change in the future and the book Dying to Be a Good Mother. And I came into this work probably about a decade ago. Um, 
I was a social worker working in um, a government agency and I love, love, love what I was doing, but there was that deeper desire inside of me to make an impact. And so while, and when I say make an impact, it's because I could see that the work that I was doing was in a system that was just perpetuating this cycle. And I always had this inner voice of like, not this, not this, not this. And at the same time, I was raising my boys. They are 16, 11, and 8. And I became a mother when I was really young. I was 18 years old. And so I came into motherhood already feeling like I was failing. And so as, you know, any good woman, good mother, and I'm using air quotes, which is the whole premise of the book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, Um, I looked to the people and the women that I assumed were happy and successful and realized that it was a facade and, you know, they were burnt out and overwhelmed and I bought right into it. Mm -hmm. And seven years ago, when my youngest was a year old, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I, at that time, already invested in the wellness space and the coaching space. I was, um, into yoga and I was, um, you know, I had the mentors, I attended the retreats, but there was this like deeper under story and trauma of, and I, I mean, we can call it trauma, whatever it was. I wasn't giving myself permission to fully step into who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so both worlds kind of collided and cancer was that catalyst that really was like, I couldn't run away from myself anymore. I couldn't use my excuses or my children um, as an excuse not to feel the way that I wanted to feel. And I had to build myself up from the ground up. Um, And my business at the time, pre-cancer, was very focused on the relationship, parent-child relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, it still is, but that's not the sole focus. That's one aspect of why people might be coming to me. But on the other aspect is they know deep down they're not fulfilled or they're not in alignment and they, they have dreams, they have desires, or maybe they don't, but they want to be able to find them. So now I really support women of feeling in control of their lives or aligned yeah. where you know you can have your cake and eat it too, and but on a deeper soul spiritual level. Um, and yeah, it's so fun. So fun and ever evolving. (laughs) So dying to be a good mother. Why did you write this book? Well, I, I didn't want it to be a, it's a, what they call a prescriptive memoir. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be a cancer story. And also cancer isn't necessarily, um, everything. Like that's not my all. That's not why I wrote the book. I actually Mm -hmm. have this. I always say, if you have a desire, like that is the path. If there's like a seed that's been planting in you from something, you know, bigger than you, yeah, that's where you need to go. And I've had the desire to write a book for a very, very long time. But the truth is I had so much baggage about physically writing a book because I grew up um, having a terrible time reading and writing. And I had so many beliefs and stories around not being good enough. So I had Mm -hmm. to find a way to write it that was in alignment with um, my learning style and obviously, uh, you know, lifestyle, full life, um, trying to run a business while writing a book and in the middle of a pandemic and all of that fun stuff with children. And um, 
I also wanted anyone who picked up the book to feel like it wasn't another parenting book or a Mm -hmm. self-help book of like, this is how to live your best life. Um, But you could take away from it what you wanted, but also know that you're, you're not alone. Yeah. Well, I read the book. Um, I read it actually twice. (laughs) And you talk in the book, dying to be a good mother syndrome. Can you explain this to the listeners? Yeah, I think everyone loves putting labels. So if you put syndrome at the end of something, you're like, oh, okay, I get that. Um, And it's just that we're dying to be good in the world. And it's this, you know, cultural belief that the more we neglect and abandon ourselves, um, the better we can serve other people. And we know that that is not true. Like inside, we know that that's not true. And when we live that way, we experience so much contrast, so much pressure, mm-hmm. so much burnout, so much, you know, health stuff, all of it comes up and we're just, you know, we're putting ourselves on our list, but it's last. And then of yeah. course it gets taken off the list and then never put back on. Mm-hmm. We're lying to ourselves. So this dying to be a good mother is that, you know, culturally we're not um, considered in high regard for considering our needs at all. And doing that right. is a courageous act. And so what I have found is the women who are like, I'm done. Like I'm done feeling like crap. I'm done feeling, you know, I'm done with my own BS. I'm done yelling. I'm done um, working really, really hard at something mm-hmm. and not feeling like I'm gaining equal value or respect Um, but you have to be the one to give yourself permission to be done. And I see it all the time. People are like, I want change. I want help. I'm like, but you have to do the work. And when you do the work, it's really uncomfortable. It's not hard. Yeah. It's really not hard work. It's just emotionally uncomfortable, but that's where the freedom lies. Yeah. Myself included. I have a hair appointment tomorrow and my hairstylist, she could probably tell you how many times I cancel because I don't want to pay for something for myself. I don't want to find sitters for the kid, you know, I'm, but I'm, I need to do something for myself, even if it's something as little as getting my roots colored, you know, Mm -hmm. I need to keep reminding myself that. Yeah. In the book, I talk about a story where, um, you know, post-cancer, I started to have this idea. I knew about it before I was reading Danielle Laporte's desire map Mm -hmm. and it was all about everything that we want is a feeling. It's not the thing. So we want the bigger house because we want more space. We want the vacation because we think that's when we're going to, you know, relax. And then you hear people saying, I need a vacation from the vacation. Yeah. So if you really, or we want to work out because we want to feel better in our bodies, we want to feel stronger. We want to feel, um, you know, just better in your skin. You want to feel clean. Mm -hmm. You want to feel whatever it is. So when you begin to understand it's a feeling and you reverse engineer how you want to feel. And so I understood that concept pre-cancer, but post-cancer, I had to develop like a strategy, a way to do it. So I invented, um, or I call it energetic time management. And it's a stick, a six step process. Um, but everything is about how do I want to feel? How do I want to feel? So I started experimenting. And one of the things I would do is I'd look around and I'd say, okay, who's happy? Like who like genuinely looks happy. And I remember seeing people like walking and I didn't understand 
why people would just walk. I didn't get it because I was like, you got to run a marathon every day. Yeah. Why would you just do that? Right. So I had this all or nothing mindset, even though I didn't like to run. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what does walking actually do? Right. Yeah. People would talk about meditation and journaling. I'm like, I'm doing it wrong. I can't do this. But I remember um, also thinking, I don't know why I had this in my head that, you know, someone will go to a cafe by themselves. They buy a really expensive latte and they just sit there and journal and it'd be so luxurious. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And this was, I can't tell if it was pre-diagnosis or post-diagnosis, but I started challenging myself. And mm-hmm. I remember that moment where I would, I sat in the cafe and my expectation was that I was going to leave feeling so amazing, so inspired. And I was going to be there for an hour and I had an infant at home and I went and I cried the whole time I was sitting there Aww. and I just cried and cried and cried and cried. And my, I called my husband and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, this is the opposite of feeling good. I feel right. so guilty so guilty. And he's like, well, just, you know, keep going. He's like, everyone here is fine. You're fine. And I realized that if I wanted to fill my cup up with good feelings, I had to empty the cup first with what was in it. And so oftentimes what we are resisting, isn't that, oh, it's not good enough. Or, you know, I'm taking away from other people. It's the guilt and the pressure and the shame that we're holding And who cares where it came from, right? Like we can analyze where it came from, but if you want to put something in a cup and the cup is already full with what you don't want, right? Simple as like, I want a cup of water and it's full of apple juice. You're like, you have to pour out the apple juice. And so for a long time, I had to challenge myself to do things that made me emotionally uncomfortable that I assumed would bring me the feeling that I wanted to bring. And I will hear a lot of people say to me, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, but you do, because you know what you don't want. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't want to feel like crap. And so you have to just lean into this curiosity and this discomfort. And so I'd start writing in a journal. How do I want to feel? I want to feel energized, strong, and alive. And I'm like, okay, well, what is that? I don't actually ever recall a time in my life when I felt energized, alive, and strong. And so I would write down, wouldn't it be nice if, like it was my go-to journal prompt. I still use it today because it feels like I can have emotional, I can be emotionally unattached. Like if I write it down, it doesn't have to come true. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if, and then I was like, ugh, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, I had a day to myself. Wouldn't it be nice if I could take a bath? Wouldn't it be nice? Like to the tiny, tiny things to like the big, big, big things. Mm-hmm. And I just kept doing that. And um, I do it with my kids. I do it with my husband. I do it with my clients. You know, like, I don't know what I want. I'm like, well, wouldn't it be, okay, anything's possible. Wouldn't it be nice to like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't worry about this all the time? Wouldn't it be? And I was like, good that's evidence. We can, yeah. you know, those are breadcrumbs. So yeah, it's like, you have to become the detective of what you want and desire and how you want to feel. I like that. <laughs> um, in the book, you talk about the red, yellow, and green zones. And I really like this. Um, can you explain the zones as I'm doing air quotes and how we can use them in our lives and our business? Yeah, so they're the zones of regulation, and I don't ever remember learning about them previously, but I, a lot of people now say, oh, you know, my, my child's occupational therapist talks about this, and 
the visual is just think about a stoplight, right? We know what to do when it's green, go. When it's yellow, take caution. When it's red, stop. Mm -hmm. And you can use this in any area of your life, but it could be emotional regulation. So when you are, I, in our house, we use um, the language, like I'm in my red, I'm in my yellow, I'm in my green. So the kids will even say to me, mom, I'm in my red, which Mm -hmm. means disengage, do not talk to them. And then you just wait till they're down and they're green again, when things are good. And you're like, what happened this morning? Like, what was that about? And they may go from green to red and be like, I don't want to talk about it. And you're like, okay. And then you get to come back either in their green mm-hmm. again. We're going to talk about this and I'm not giving up. I, if it takes me a month to have this conversation with you, I will, but I refuse to, to do it in the red. And once I started mastering that from an emotional component, like I never yell because I won't engage with anyone else in their red zone. So whether yeah. it's my husband, whether it's my boys, whether it's any human, I'm like, they're in the red zone. So I'm like, oh, I see now's not the time for this conversation. We'll have it later. And it reprograms your brain on how to have healthy, collaborative conversations with people. And, but from a life perspective, when I look at the buckets of life, you know, money, time, energy, children, if you have children, your health, And I'm like, where am I living? Like, what zone am I in? Am I great? Is everything green here? Am I like a little worried about this area of my life? Mm -hmm. Or is this a red? So when I was diagnosed, you know, my health was in the red. And even though I felt like I was paying attention to my health, there was a deeper level of health that I needed to look at. And I needed to ask for help. I needed to get, you know, support from somebody who understood what was going on with me. Um, and just seeing it so simple and clearly, it's kind of gives me a quick, you know, check-in of how am I feeling? Am I in my red zone? If I am, you know, I need to take a break. I need to clear my calendar and it's, it's been a game changer. Yeah. I'm definitely implementing this in my house. Um, I have two daughters, 13 and 10 and, um, my 10 year old, I think she's a empath. And she picks up on other people's energy and emotion. So she's very sensitive with that. But um, she goes from green to red like that. And I need to back off when she's in the red for sure. (laughs) I had a conversation with um, actually an 11 year old yesterday. It was one of my client's children. And um, she's like, Heather, I just don't know what to do. And one of my favorite things is, you know, really teaching children how to gain the emotional intelligence. And, mm-hmm. um, she goes, Heather, I just, I go from green to red. And I said, you have a yellow zone, but you don't know what it is because we're so go, 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 go all or nothing. Yeah, so part of her homework was identify your yellow, identify what happens right before, you know, you're, you're about to lose it. And, Um, yeah. And after the conversation, I got a text from her mom saying, oh my gosh, she's so happy. And she said, she knows that this is going to support her because I think we're so conditioned to talk about our problems. Mm -hmm. We're so conditioned to talk about behaviors or label them, but there's no real life practical application on how to shift that energy within ourselves And not everybody is willing, you know, not everyone could just, you know, stop and meditate. Like, you know, meditation is a proactive thing. Working out is proactive, but like, what about in the moment when you can identify what's going on with you? 
that's where confidence comes from. That's where the self-esteem is. And um, it's a game changer for children, especially. Yeah. Um, What experience do you want women or anyone to have while reading your book? I just, I want them to know they're not alone. Um, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of comments, you know, they feel hopeful. And I also think it's really important. I've always been um, practice what you preach type and Mm -hmm. using my own life experiences to, to show people like how to take courageous action. Um, And, and then I get to learn and teach, right? Like, Ooh, this is how I've mastered resistance. This is how I manage fear. You don't get over these things. You have to like manage them and Mm co-create your life with them. Um, and so I just want, regardless if it's the book, the podcast coaching, like following me, it's like, you're not alone in the world. It is incredibly uncomfortable to grow. Um, and there is no quick fix. It's a lifestyle. And I do see a lot of, doesn't matter what industry you're in, but Mm -hmm. I just, I can't handle the BS. I can't sugarcoat things. And I know that, um, that is so detrimental to society and people's mental health. When you're reading something and you're like, why can't I figure this out? Why can't I get it right? And it's because the information being presented to you is actually, um, a lie. And yeah, it's, it, I just don't want them to know. I want them to know they're not alone and that yeah. change is possible regardless of what happened to you. Can Okay. So can I ask you, um, what are some of the biggest issues or concerns or questions, um, moms come to you with? And if you have advice for them, um, so many, um, I would (laughs) say it's over like overwhelm is a huge issue. Um, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I'm so overwhelmed. Um, I also get a lot of, you know, how do I essentially control my child's behavior? How do I get my children to listen to me? How do I, you know, so anytime you're adding get into Mm -hmm. a sentence, how do I get somebody else to do something? Um, you have to realize that that is control. And the reason why you're controlling is because there's something inside of you that you feel you can't control. And so I want to give a really clear example. And my poor children, I don't use them all the time as examples, but sometimes I do. (laughs) So raising a teenager has been interesting because you do not get to control the child's or the young adult's the same way that you would a toddler, um, like timeouts don't work and punishment yeah. doesn't work. And that's why, you know, when they're younger, you could probably physically get away with it, but mentally it just doesn't work, even if they're younger, but when they're older, you definitely, it doesn't work. Punishment, grounding, all of that. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. There has to be this like self-respect and all of that. So my son, I've been like, you know, pushing him, challenging him to have more like daily routine and all of that. And he, I got him a gym membership and I said, if you, if you're not going to use it, I'm just canceling it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was a few days where he decided to book and not go. And then I was like, okay, like your behavior is showing me that you're not committed to this. So I'm just getting rid of the membership. And I wasn't angry. 
I was annoyed and internally, but the annoyance and the anger, resentment, whatever it is, is mine. I, it's not his responsibility to manage my anger. I was the one that actively purchased a membership. So I said, okay, like you were showing me, it doesn't matter what words you say, you're showing me that you're not committed to this. So the membership is gone. So this morning was the last day of the membership and he was going and he didn't go. And I was wildly disappointed. And I was like, but he can't make me disappointed. Mm -hmm. I've somehow made myself disappointed. I'm just, I had expectations. Right. And I said, there's no, I just looked at him and I said, I see, maybe you're struggling, maybe, which is fine. We can talk about that. But I see now that I have invested too much, too much time, too much Mm -hmm. money, and that you need to take some responsibility for what you want and desire because I, I see it that there's going to be codependency and it's not going to happen. So I said, okay, I'll back off. So I have to sit with um, my boundaries. I have to sit with how I want to raise a young adult that it doesn't matter how much you pour into somebody else. You can't get them to do anything, but I can observe his behavior and go, okay, maybe he is struggling. Maybe he's just being a teenager. Maybe he wants that extra sleep, whatever it is. But if they're not willing to meet you halfway or, you know, abide by quote unquote, the rules or have, you know, some responsibility, that's okay. Cool. Yeah. Then those, res- those additional responsibilities of using my Wi-Fi and, you know, whatever it is you don't get, and that's okay. And so it's really having that inner discernment of this is a privilege. It is a privilege to have Wi-Fi is a privilege, you know, for me to give you rides places. And if we're not going to show up for work, we're not getting a paycheck. So if we're not making it a win-win relationship, I am no longer emptying my cup for you. If you are not willing to help fill my cup. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as parents, we don't do that inner work and we're so conditioned to just give, 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 give. And then we project our anger. We project our anxiety. We project Mm -hmm. all of these things. And we're like, everything that I do for you. And that child is like, I never made you do these things. Yeah. You chose to do it. So we have to take radical responsibility for how we want to feel. And the overwhelm, I just want to talk about overwhelm. Like there's a whole bunch of brain science behind overwhelm and Overwhelm is a symptom. It is not a lifestyle. Busy Mm -hmm. is a symptom. It is not a lifestyle. And when I am overwhelmed now or, or feel really busy, I am like, okay, stop, stop. What do you need to do? What's the next right thing? And some of that feels like, I don't know the next right thing, but I just take action regardless. I'm like, do one thing and then clarity will come. Do the next thing. But if you're like, oh, there's so many things to do. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Also know that you are not responsible to do all the things. And mm-hmm. again, it's decluttering. What is not a priority and what can I outsource and what can I give somebody else? But we're taking things on that are not ours to take on. And I saw that a lot through the pandemic, especially with education. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, you have to work full-time and you have to be a full-time educator. Why? 
just because somebody said that's the expectation of who you need to be, why? And right. I had a lot of pushback on that because I'm like, I am not a full-time educator. Do you want me to pay my bills or do you want me to admit myself into the psych ward? And I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm saying that in reality that, mm-hmm. you know, this silent killer, like stress, legit, you know, the physical response of what happens when you are stressed out in your life. And it is not fair. It is not practical. And yet women continue to say, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then people are like, great. She's got it. She's got it. And then when we go, are you okay? Something seems off. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. You drop dead. Then you get a diagnosis. Then you say, I have to go on sick leave. And what you're actually doing is disappointing other people Mm -hmm. because they were dependent on you. But at first, if you would have just said, I don't have the capacity for that. Don't have the capacity for that. And if they don't like that, that's okay. But we have to look at the people pleaser. We have to look at why we're trying to do it all um, and realize it's not our job to be everything yeah. to everyone. I am a people pleaser and I'm working on my boundaries, most specifically <laughs> with my husband and kids. But yeah, I'm, it's a daily, daily practice for me to yeah. stick to it. And it's not, you know, I'm like, it's been seven years since I was diagnosed. It's been 16 years since I became a mother. And I feel like I'm just getting a few layers off. But the big thing for me was when I stopped taking, you know, when you're like, I should know better, right? Mm -hmm. I should know better. Oh, we're shaming ourselves. And, and I also like, we're carrying the burden of a cultural cultural trauma, like generational, like patriarchy and gender roles. And I'm like, I didn't do that. Like that wasn't mine to, I did not pick that. So every day you're like, nope, 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 nope. If you have good boundaries, which Mm -hmm. is exhausting to chronically do. So I always tell women, I'm like, take the pressure off because I, I remember I was at a retreat that I was hosting one time And I had one woman, you know, she said it very quietly in circle and she goes, Heather, I just, you know, I've been on the expressway a few times. I'm like, oh, can I just get a break from my life and just get an accident and roll my car? Just enough, just enough. So I didn't die, but I was in the hospital for a week so I could get a break from my life. Yeah. And then I had about half of the women in the circle say, me too, me too. And I remember that feeling when I was in the hospital the first two, the first time for two weeks. And I was like, this is a vacation Mm -hmm. and, and nobody expects anything from me. And that is freaking sad that I think this is a vacation. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really redefining what we want in our lives and fully giving yourself permission, even though it's going to scare the crap out of you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This conversation today has been amazing. I would love to have you on again in the future. <laughs> um, where can everyone find you? I'll leave all this in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, the podcast mom is in control. Um, it may, like I said, the title may change, but mom is in control or just find me on podcast and Instagram, the book dying to be a good mother is found anywhere. Books are sold online. It's also on mm-hmm. audibles for the audiobook. 
And um, I love when people listen to a podcast or hear me somewhere and send me a DM on Instagram. So it's at Heather Chauvin. I'm very um, social and reachable. Um, so yeah, just send me a DM after you listen to this and let me know what your biggest takeaway was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to thank my guest, Heather Chauvin, once again for coming on and talking with us today. This episode was so inspiring to me. It was so helpful. I had so many takeaways from it. I hope you all have so many takeaways from it also. Please leave a rating, a review, a comment. Share this episode. Tell us what your takeaway was from it. Tag us. And as always, I hope everyone has a great day.